and we are live. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Up in Flames. We got a lot of good stuff, even some breaking news. We have some breaking news today, some unreported news that we were able to get our hands on this kind of information, which therefore goes to show you the progress of Off the Ball Network as a whole, being able to talk about this prior. And all of y'all are going to do your research and not know where to find it because it, it wasn't on the ESPN app and it's not on Bleacher Report. But we will get into it here later on the show. But I got my guy, Jeff Hunt, who I will bring in momentarily. But as always, go to mybookie.ag. As one of our sponsors, they use promo code off the ball tip. They will match 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. We are in the prime of betting season. Hockey star, baseball playoffs is going. NFL is heading towards midseason form. The NBA is in preseason and regular season is six days from tonight. So make sure you go check out our sponsors over there, my booking. And we will be back after our lovely introduction. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, woo. We up in, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. And of course, here we are, and we are back. And I got my special guest in the building, my guy, Jeff Hunt from Jeff Esports, the Buckeye Remix, the constant guest on Locked On Buckeyes with our lovely guy, Jay Stevens, and anything else you may know him as. So we got to get into it. First, Jeff, how are you doing? It is great, man. I'm so excited to be on here tonight. I love... I love the Wednesday because we all know the football season, football the football week starts on Thursday. So I love Wednesday shows because we're just we're right on the it's like point break, man. Like we're just waiting for the wave to come in and, and we're starting to ride it. We don't know what's going to happen on the mm-hmm. other side of it. So uh, it, it's just a, it's a great it's a great time uh, of the football year. It's a great time of the football week. It's it's always great to be on up in flames. I'm excited. Yeah, one hundred percent. So. Like you said, it's always lovely, especially like college football. We had a good, uh, well, I won't say a good game. Sorry, Jeremy, but Appalachia State got smacked to start off the week uh, last night. I, I, but I, we had, I, I totally I overlooked that for our man Jeremy, but you know what? He woke up this morning, and he's like, we're ready to go. We're ready to recover. Yeah. And I admire being able to take a loss. You know, it's, it's yeah. going to be Different. It's tough. It, people take people take losses a lot better than I do. But I want to get into, you know, your newly released NFL power rankings. Obviously, you came on before and we talked about your college football playoff rankings and your power. I mean, come on, Jeff. This is the second year in a row. Your power rankings are the key to off the ball networks football season. Period. Point blank. It's the most loved. It's the most hated. However you want to do it, of all the content that we do, especially right now in the key of college fo- or of football season and basketball is about to start, if there's somebody's content who is going to get a lot of hits, a lot of clicks, a lot of love, and a lot of hate, 
It is your power ranking. So before we get into it, I'm going to let the viewers see your power rankings to see what I'm talking about. Now, he has, I'm going to break he's four categories, contenders, in the hunt, plenty of time, and on the life raft. Obviously, the guys on the life raft, more so to put it in perspective, those people fighting for draft position at the end of the day. In the hunt are playoff teams that we expect. Contenders, obviously, we know what are you contending for? Super Bowl and plenty of time means do not hit the panic button yet. But that's how I take it. But I also brought my guy Jeff on here to fully explain his power rankings and the thought process, and then we'll even get into some of the 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 backlash that you've gotten from this week on where you've moved teams because there's some risers that I personally love, and there's some fallers that I personally understand had to fall. So. Jeff, just take it away and explain to us your your power rankings first, your thought process behind creating these every week. Well, no, you know, first of all, hey, thanks a lot, man, for showing those. Um, I really do. I I know you you over you exaggerate on how important they are to the network, but I do. My rankings do represent the off the ball network. I do put a lot of thought into them. And once again, for everybody who hasn't, uh, maybe they don't know about them or they haven't listened when they listen to it. Hear me out. I I basically rank this based on not only how good you are currently going into like right now going into week six of the season i also base i mine is basically based on your chances to get the chip at the end of the year because that's what i really care about when it comes to nfl football so there, there's teams that have had really good starts that i don't believe in and i don't i'm not saying i'll punish them but like if you got a quarterback injury if you got quarterback questions that's going to count against you because the, the football world revolves around quarterbacks right now. Um, everybody's rankings reflects that. So what I try to do is come up with a, how good are you that week? And also how good are you going into the future? For instance, the biggest one, the Buffalo bills, they took a week one loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers who right now I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers 22. They're not a very good football team. They're not a very complete football team. Their quarterback, it looks like he should have retired two years ago at this point. I basically at this point, the Bills have had four weeks to prove me wrong, and they have. They've they've looked like the best team in the league by far for four weeks in a row. So I'm honestly willing just to forgive that loss. That's just I, I won't I won't I don't have to come up with any excuses or anything else. It's just one of those things. And most NFL experts will tell you that week one of this year's football season was basically preseason. Um, and mm-hmm. that is an excuse. I am. I know everybody's immediately jumps at me like, well, that's an excuse. Yes. Wins and losses count, but also with a 17 game season, do I care if you take a bad loss? Not that much. Do I care how you lose? Yes. The Buffalo bills were on watch and you know what they did. They rallied and then they've blown everybody away for four weeks. So just to give everybody an idea. Like, this is also kind of a projection of how good you can be in the future. For instance, the Broncos are three and two. I've got them at 24. They've already got questions of quarterback. They've got injuries. They didn't, they haven't looked that great for a couple of weeks. I don't, I don't see how they can win more than it definitely more than half three. I know there's not really half their games now because the 17 game season, I don't see them winning more than nine games. So essentially do they factor into the playoff race to me? No. So that's just to give people an idea of how I feel about these rankings. I mean, yeah, of course. And then, and then like your, your statement for the bills is like, well, most people have the Cardinals as the best team in football, simply for the fact yes. they're undefeated, but there's some context behind like the struggle they had with Jacksonville, yep. the struggle they had with San Francisco and, in a game where Trey Lance ends up getting hurt. Uh, he still, he finished the game, but still he was dinged up. 
took some things away from what they could do offensively. And so he there's always look, context. Trey, Trey Lance didn't look that great in an Arizona win. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll tell you straight up, it's, it's a quarterback-driven league. Kyler Murray, you know, we know he's the smallest quarterback in the league. He's leading the MVP race. But when I look on the sidelines and I see him checking his shoulder and doing that, you know, trying to loosen it up thing, that I will I will 100% tell you that that factors into it. I think Kyler Murray, if he's dealing with the same stuff he did last year, if he loses five mile an hour on his fastball, that's a different Arizona team. So that is why Arizona dropped below the Bills this week. Yeah, I, and it's rightfully so. I mean, like you said, since the loss, like there's a couple teams who lost in week one. There's actually a few teams, three that I see in mine who lost week one, four in, who I see in mine who lost in week one and have bounced back and looked amazing. That's the yep. Baltimore Ravens, the Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Buffalo Bills. All of those teams which are in your top eight. They're all contenders in your opinion. Obviously, you know, I love to see my Cowboys being there in the top five. It's been a while since it's kind of been imagined that the Dallas Cowboys could even be in the top five. Uh, you know, we, and probably wasn't really imagined. I felt like maybe borderline a playoff team. We had to see what Dak, you know, how he looked coming off an injury. There were a lot of questions. Will Zeke be the dominant back that we had when we had prior success in the past couple of years? And all the questions have kind of been answered. And our yes. defense has outperformed themselves or at least the expectations up to this point mo i'll be honest with you from start to finish the dallas cowboys have looked like the best team in football i, I would just be 100 percent tell you that from start to finish if you if you factor in you know their loss and plus how they've looked they're i think them the chargers um not you know not the buccaneers not the packers not the ravens maybe the rams are the most complete team from top to bottom to where they don't have these glaring weaknesses like they usually had and i'll, I'll just be honest with you man the 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 uprising of trayvon diggs makes i i want to put them to number one so bad it, it kills me, but you know, I'm fair on these rankings. I make everybody earn it. The Cowboys have plenty of time to work their way up there. If they keep playing the way they are, I'm, I'm totally ready to like, if the, if the playoffs started tomorrow, um, you know, I get, I give the Cowboys, you know, a great shot at it winning the Super Bowl. I love how they're playing. I don't like their head coach, but I do love their offensive coordinator. I love what Moore's done this year. I love here. Here's here was the biggest decision that it that could possibly change the Cowboys season. And I think it has is that he said, I do not care what Zeke is making. I don't care what Zeke's salary is. I care. I care what makes him the most effective for my football team in a combination with Pollard. And he's done that. I think Zeke is having a more, uh, explosive year. I think Pollard is getting like, I think that was the biggest thing I think for, I think, for, I, maybe it was a Jerry Jones decision for the last couple of years. I know we don't want to do a Cowboys podcast, but maybe the last couple of years, Jerry Jones has been like, nope, we're paying Zeke, run him off tackle. We're going to get we're going to get him sixteen hundred yards. And that's that's how he did it with Emmett. And this year seems like like Zeke is playing like a, you know, a rotational running back. But I but, you know, me, I hate running backs like that's how that's how he should be playing. I don't care about the salaries. He's very effective this way. It's it's more explosive. It's more dangerous. It's more um, you're catching teams off guard. I, I just I love everything they've done. McCarthy is the one thing that holds me back probably on ranking them up there. But I absolutely expect at some point this season for the Dallas Cowboys to hit number one on my rankings. Yeah, I mean, we look great. Um, 
It's just I don't want to buy into him too much. I'm taking it week by week. Never well, looking past fan. an opponent. I, I, yeah, I, and and, and, and they I, I've been down this road before. I've I've been down this road before. Like I've been down looks, where I think the Cowboys little, are really good. This looks like the really best good. we've looked since since Dak's rookie year. Like this is the best team we've seen. And the only thing with Dak's rookie year, we had questions because we're like. Dak's young. Is this a one and done kind of thing? I mean, we went 13 and three his rookie yeah, year behind Zeke running for 1600 yards. This, but it's just something different about this yep. team. And it's you Dak. can tell because people are starting to buy in. Like Dak doesn't have to have the thing is now is we have a balanced offense. Dak doesn't have to have 400 yards, but if that's what it causes to win the game, Dak could get it done. If exactly. 150 yards combined rushing between our two running backs is what causes them to win the game, done. So exactly. the saw the Chargers. We ran all over the Chargers. Dak played conservative, threw for like right right at 250, threw a pick, then for touchdown, but we come out with the win. And I think with this team, what we're seeing is winning is more important than anything. Don't yeah. look at everybody else. Don't look at don't look at what people are making. Look at their contribution, and it's hitting on draft picks. That's key to really a lot of these teams that are successful right now because they have young quarterbacks who just are starting their second contract, the Buffalo Bills, and, and they got a lot of young guys looking to get paid, and they're producing. The Buffalo Bills are fairly young at talent. Tredavious White still hasn't gotten his payday yet because he's still on his first contract, but these teams are hitting on their draft picks. Yep. Like like you said, Michael Parsons is a star. Micah, you felt like Micah he was going to be a star. Is, he is – like I, I like I literally this is the this is the one player and I and I know that everybody thought Micah Parsons was really good, but this is the one player that I saw. He didn't even play last year. I saw him play two or three years ago against the Buckeyes. And I'm like, that's the guy like that is the future of the NFL. When when uh, D law goes out and they can slide a former, you know, basically Mike linebacker up or Sam linebacker, whatever you want to call it, Penn State up and then he has to play he has to play defensive end for a game and and is really well because he knows he knows so many techniques he's so versatile they can play him in the a gap they can play him they can play him on the edge they can drop him back in the coverage he's great in coverage if that let let's just say he's worth 3 points a game that's two wins a season like one player yeah. for two wins a season. It's I've just been I've been impressed. I've been impressed with how how smart I was when I when I told you on draft <laughs> day that Michael Parsons was the best pick in the draft. But I've been very very. I know you're a Cowboys fan, but I honestly say this: they've been them and the Chargers are my two like most like the most best surprises of the season of how they have followed up the expectations of last year and they're getting better. I I just love it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I want to buy all in, and and I'm all in. I mean, but it's a it's a it's a longevity game. You, you we know the Bills have can get to the AFC Championship. We don't doubt that. Uh, we saw it last yeah. year. Obviously, we know they're a Super Bowl contender coming into with expectations coming into the season. So I love what I'm seeing from Dallas. I love what I'm seeing from Baltimore, and I, and I'm gonna tell you why. I, I I'm cool with where you put them. So I'm not, but I love what I'm seeing with them even being considered a contender because they shouldn't be. They shouldn't. All reasons for Lamar Jackson to fail, for the Baltimore Ravens to fail, for them to not have a good seat was handed to them. Their, yes. their star receiver that they draft, Rashard Bateman, hasn't played a game yet, is expected to come back. Uh, Marcus Peters, their star corner, their lockdown corner, tears his ACL on the same day that 
J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins, Dobbins and Peters were devastating injuries for our team. Absolutely. And then, dev- and then Gus Edwards, who who was the he was going to be the one-two punch with Dobbins. He tears his ACL, and we know how important the run game is to the offense of Baltimore. And they're going to get Latavius Murray after he gets released. They're going to get Devontae Freeman while he's been sitting as a free agent. Like they have scattered to to get running backs. Uh, Mark Andrews had had played banged up the first few games. He had a coming out party. Or uh, anybody who had him in fantasy loved what he did. He had a coming out party oh, yeah. uh, the other day against the Colts. He but ruined. It's, he ruined a few. He ruined a few people's weeks. Oh, he definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, he definitely did that. Him. Just, I mean, that game ruined oh. a few people's weeks. If you had Lamar, Jonathan Taylor, Mark Andrews, there were some key guys that you know were starters in a fantasy lineup that had huge and, games. But and and that's the thing, Mo Lamar. <laughs> You know, we both love Lamar. I love Lamar. What Lamar's Lamar's gotten better. I don't think his team's better because of everything you said. It's nothing. Nothing mm-hmm. he can do about it. But what, what's amazing is, you know, and I hate to say he doesn't get the credit because he's a former MVP, but this guy is carrying, and I mean carrying. Imagine, imagine a quarterback, any other quarterback. You know, whatever. That's not Lamar Jackson, and he has one. He has one of the greatest nights in NFL, you know, football history. He goes what eighty five percent, four hundred yards, four touchdowns, and the other team knows that your best running back shouldn't even be on an NFL roster. Like that's and and your best wide receiver is a slot receiver for, you know, half of the playoff teams. You know what I mean? Like he's just yeah. But what I, here's what I'll say about Lamar. He cannot keep putting himself in these holes. This is not sustainable in NFL football. Um, he, he can't, you know, a lot of it's his fault. Like when he, they got down early, like you, you, you can't let go of the ball on the goal line on first down. Like you just can't do that. Lamar. Yeah. Like these are things. It was the same way in the Kansas city game too. It, exactly. In the Kansas city game, the Raiders game, that Raiders game should have been theirs. It was, this is all. And I know he's carrying the burden of the offense. And I know that he's at this. I saw, uh, you know, years and years ago, it's almost been, what, 30 years ago now, Steve Young go through this, that he has so much talent. And, yes, he has so much talent. He's he's more like an NBA player, Mo. Like, we're both NBA fans. You're an NBA analyst. You do a great show on it. You know how some of these guys are like, I've got so much talent. I don't know whether I want to be a 30-point scorer or do, do I want to try and be a, a triple-double guy or do I want to try and – you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like Lamar yeah. has to make these decisions, like, cause you're starting to see him now that he's got room that you and I both see the game and you're like, just if he runs, he's got 30 yards, but he also knows that you can't do that forever. And it pays off late in the games. He's, 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 he's learned the trajectories just like Mahomes does. You know, he's throwing these same like sidearms and all that, uh, like him, Kyler Murray, Mahomes are the best, you know, Allen can do whatever he wants. These freaks that are now, so it is paying off, but he also can't dig himself into the holes early in the games. The good thing is he's not throwing interceptions. His team loves him. I don't know if there's a quarterback like the green Bay Packers don't love Aaron Rodgers as much as the Baltimore Ravens love Lamar Jackson like whatever it is about him in the locker room that's a real that's a real thing um so yeah. but for every reason you brought up I just don't think it's sustainable to keep digging yourselves in a hole like this and then having to fight your way out with 400 yards passing so we'll see how it goes but I know yeah, that was it, a lot it, on Baltimore I just had to get it off my chest. oh yeah but it's just it never is and like you said there's certain things where you watch teams and like 
how they're winning games, that's a recipe for winning to continue. And that's a recipe for disaster. And like you said, to continue to have to win, come from behind games or even losing games because of early poor play early, you know, that's not a recipe for ultimate success, which is like you said, contenders, which is why they're the last team in the contender section, just because you said it, I would assume you went, I would assume you give them the benefit of the doubt. I do. You went because last year with Dallas, you watched them go through this. Well, yeah, I mean, between all the injuries and everything else, well, and then losing I the mean, quarterback was I the mean, worst. Like before the Prescott injury, still you were like, yeah, they they just yep. it was not a sustainable way to play. Even though the, yeah, the, play the, from the, behind, and then we were losing. It was like two and three up until that point. That Dak got hurt, and you're like, man, this team is uber talented. Their offense is playing insane, but. They're just not winning games because that coming from behind and starting off slow is very well we, we not a way. We could easily be saying that the the Ravens are two and three with a loss to Indianapolis and a loss to Detroit. We could be having this exact same conversation right now. Yeah, and imagine imagine Lamar Jackson and what people would say about him at two and three yeah. and a loss to Detroit and Indianapolis, who at this point has kind of been underwhelming. But like you said, it's a little too early to panic little too early to panic. They got some things to get together, a little bit of health concerns that they could try and figure out, and they're in a horrible division. So, they therefore, they're not in too much of a hole, to be honest. They're in a horrible division. So, I'm, I have a game, and it's called Real or Fake, Who's Real or Who's Fake. I didn't pick a t- – I didn't tell, just for the listeners, I didn't tell him any teams. I didn't tell him any players. I'm going to pick a couple teams. I'm going to pick a couple players. I'm going to let him decide. We're going to talk about whether we what their performance is up to this point, whether they're real and we buy into it. We're going to talk about you know the team's performance, whether they're real or fake. We buy into it and what they're doing and their key to success is sustainable. I, I have never been so excited in my life. And I know Jeff knows I'm going to pull a punch in here at this point, so we are going to talk about a certain player, but we will we will wait a second. I'll leave him last. Uh, Baker Mayfield will just be just, you know, but we're not going to talk about him yet. We will leave him last. Never heard Um, So I'm going to throw a team out there. You already mentioned the Chargers. What they're doing right now, are they real? They're a top five team in the NFL in most people's eyes, and people can see them winning a Super Bowl. Do you feel that same way about the Los Angeles Chargers? I absolutely do. I I think they've been one of the best teams I've watched all year. Herbert, you know, I've I've apologized to him a hundred times. Here, here's what him and Josh Allen have this thing. They, if as long as they get a little bit of time, they can take advantage of any mistake on the field because of their just absolute freakish arm talent. And so, if a guy breaks open, we saw it. We saw it against the Browns. Browns are a really good defense. They didn't get to the quarterback fifty yards down the field. Herbert can still make the play, and that's why it's a uh, defense looks pretty good. They're solid. They know what they're doing. I love, I love what the coach is doing. Uh, you know, Eckler is the best. Just he's one of the best all around backs in football. And here's what I love about Eckler, and I love about the Chargers. That once again, they don't have to run off tackle. They don't care. The NFL agrees with Jeff. We 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 do not care about rushing yards. We don't care about running backs. We want to get the ball in a player's hand when they they run screen passes, um, and and things like that. It looks great. The Chargers are absolutely real. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to another team, and they're they're they haven't hit expectations yet. But do you believe this is what the rest of their season is going to look like, or do you believe they get it together, the Kansas City Chiefs? 
Is is what uh, we're seeing right now with them at two and three? Does this sustain and they be a middle of the pack team that maybe makes the playoffs, or do they get back to seeing where we're like, yes, this is one of the best teams in football? No, I actually think that I actually think they're exactly where they're going to be. The defense has taken a step back. You know, they're 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 really bad in the back end. You can't be bad in the back end of of the NFL football. This is why Bill Belichick always built his teams from the back front because he knew the one thing you had to have was protection and the safeties. Then you had to get it up to the cornerbacks. And then you worry about your defensive line because they work on each other. Most teams want to build front to back, which you want to get your edge rushers and then worry about your secondary later. And the chiefs just Mm -hmm. don't have the back end to cover these mistakes. Now, I'm not saying that the Chiefs can't win a lot of games, like we'll say 10 or 11, which isn't a lot for them. But I just don't think they can beat the gunslingers. I don't think they can beat Josh Allen. I don't think they can beat Herbert. Maybe not even Mayfield when it gets to that point. I don't think they can beat the NFC guys like Dak. I don't think, you know what I mean, Stafford. So I think where they're at now, middle of the road, is where they're going to be. So I guess fake. If we're talking about, a, you know, the last year's Super Bowl losers, I'll, I'll say they're, I'll say they're fake. Yeah, I, I mean that's a solid one. I wanted to touch on the Chiefs just because I mean at this point where they're at, I think we're all surprised none of us saw this coming. And if well, anybody who really knows football watches football, people, I, the, the conversation I hate when people break down the Chiefs is has the NFL caught up to Mahomes? Is Mahomes like people want to put him out of the top three or even top five? There's no Mahomes is he's like what second or third in yards. He's leading he's, the NFL in passing he's touchdowns. What you see from him, if you think he's taking a step back, what you're seeing is a guy who is taking that risk because he knows if that if he doesn't make this play, his defense is not getting the ball back to him without at least three points on the board, if not a yeah. touchdown. So you're seeing what you saw in the Super Bowl with yeah. no offensive line. You're seeing that yes. from him on a consistent basis, which is taking chances and trying to make plays and do a little too much because he knows his defense, he has to win shootouts, which means he has to maximize every play. And so that's why I think people are skeptical about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, it's Andy It's Andy Reid too, Mo. Like, I saw this with Philadelphia for, you know, 10 great years, I think, roughly, that McNabb was there. It's the same thing. Andy Reid starts outsmarting himself. He starts calling – you know, things on the goal line that maybe he shouldn't like some is just the NFL is still about, there's still a point to the NFL to where it's not wide. It's not the wild, wild West yet. It's not college football yet. Sometimes you got to be conservative and get some yards. They have, they have, they have almost zero running attack now. Like, you know, with, with, you know, Clyde, you know, Edwards Hilaire is out, but he was just all right when he was in there. I don't even know. Honestly, like, I don't even know who their starting running back is now. I don't think anybody cares. That's a big problem. These, I know these shovel passes to Kelsey like are awesome, but that's not a running attack. I think defenses, I won't say they figured it out. They're just not as concerned. Once again, they can beat most teams, but they can't beat most good teams. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I definitely agree, especially with the really teams are pretty well balanced or have some type of semi-decent defense. They're not the bottom of the, you know, bottom of the crop defense they can stop the run or they can stop pass or they do a little bit of both well enough to win those important games so before we get to there's two players I want to talk about who have started off really hot and it's going to be at the quarterback position well one started off really hot and the other 
is there's a lot of questions about him looking to get paid. So we're actually going to talk about the one first, Derek Carr. Prior to last week, or prior to this past game, with a lot of things going on, and with, I don't want to talk, you know, I've heard enough about the Raiders and, and the Gruden situation, but Derek Carr came out on fire, was leading the league in passing yards, was people's, you know, through the first four games when, while they were three and one, he was an MVP candidate. Derek Carr's a fringe top 10 quarterback. He was getting a lot of love that I think he deserved, maybe even overhyped. Sometimes when guys don't get enough yeah. love and they, they get put on the map for the world to see, they end up getting overhyped because now we over-exaggerate how well he's playing. When we know that the Raiders and, and their offense is another team who they crash and burn just like that. They, they show you some promise and they crash and burn. But Derek Carr, he's played like a fringe MVP candidate. Is this real and do we continue to see this? Or does he drop off immensely like we saw last week and think that he's headed towards the downward slope and what you saw through the first four to five games is fake and he's not going to sustain this success? Yeah, yeah. he. It's, 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 total, it's total fake. It's total fake. And I said that Derek Carr's got – he's got all the talent. He's got – you know, he's got everything he needs. He had an offense literally built that this is what that numb nut in Oak, you know, Oakland, Oakland and slash Vegas did, you know, build an offense to make him look great. I've heard enough about Waller. Yeah. Great story. He's like, I think they got carried away on like, Oh, this is the greatest physical specimen. We've never seen a player better. I, I and you know, let me go on a rant real quick about Darren Waller. Go ahead. So, just because a coach that we now know is a total numb nut says that a guy is the best football player he's ever coached, he's wrong. This guy coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that were one of the best defensive teams we ever seen, had one of the best linebackers that I – Derek Brooks is one of the best NFL players I ever saw step foot on a field. And for you to say – that a that a that a strictly receiving tight end is the best football player you ever coach. That should have been a warning sign right there <laughs> <laughs> about this guy. So let's just disregard all this BS. You know, yes, Derek, Derek is a a stat. He's a fantasy quarterback. I heard somebody say that the other day. I was trying to describe Derek Carter. He's a fantasy quarterback, and I I'll say this out loud. And I feel bad. I never want to accuse players of like being like this. I think he is a fantasy quarterback. I think Derek Carr could go now. It's not eight and eight anymore. He could go eight and nine or nine and eight the rest of his career. As long as he puts up 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, I think he would be happy with it. Uh, he, he's not, he doesn't have the talent of any of that. Of course, if, if, you know, I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the league or anything like that, but he's just not. And then it's always the same thing. Um, I always call him one of the Watt brothers. Uh, it's always the same thing. As soon as he makes a mistake, you know, it's head down. Like, I know the camera's on me. I got to act like it was somebody else's fault. Go to the sidelines, pout, shake your head, throw your helmet. Everybody talks about what a competitor you are because of what you look like because you look the part in the NFL. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson's doing the exact opposite. Lamar Jackson's getting in these holes and he's throwing for these yards, but he's actually finishing these games against the Chiefs and against the Colts and, you know, give, giving his team a chance to win against Detroit. So, yes, yeah, total Derek Carr is a total fraud. At the end of the year, he's going to go to the Pro Bowl because he's going to be the fifth alternate or whatever. His team's going to be eight and nine. 
and they're going to be talking about this contract they ought to get, and some other team is going to give them way too much money, and then in two years they're going to be like, Who, who's better, Spencer Rattler or Derek Carr <laughs> on that team? That's that's what I'm saying. And it's hard to be so hard on Derek Carr, but like I've seen enough. Like, it's Herbert, funny that you brought <laughs> dude, dude, dog. Herbert's in his second year. And would anybody would anybody start Derek Carr? Anybody on this an alien just fell from outer space, wakes up, watches his first NFL Sunday. He wouldn't start Derek Carr over Herbert. Herbert's in his second year. So you yep. can't tell you you just I'm, you you know it when you see it, and I just don't see it. You know he, he's a he's a five hundred quarterback. Yeah, and I mean I agree, especially because like if he was playing like a middle of the pack guy and they had some semi success due to other reasons, and I'd be like he'll continue, and it'll be on the Raiders to continue to play the way they're playing. But it's a simple fact that he you know through the first three weeks and four weeks he was ah he's second and third on my MVP list. I love what he's got going, but now that he's three and two, like one extra loss just changes the whole thought process yep. on Derek Carr. And I mean, Derek Carr was literally probably the most trending quarterback on Twitter yep. after week three and their victory and, and, you know, him beating the Ravens on his resume, beating the Steelers, which turns out that's not a great win at this point for anybody as far as accredited win. So now we're going to go to we're, – we're, we're going to touch the touchy subject. You know, Jeff has gotten killed for, for this subject a lot more than I have. We've touched it before with him on the show, but he's gotten killed a lot more because he's been a lot more vocal publicly about his stance on this. So we're going to take the real or fake off because I don't think it's necessarily in this category. And we're just going to have a talk about this player. But we have some college football stuff we're going to talk about. So we won't spend Okay. But so much time, we've taken a break, but you and me could go on all day about this. So that's why I want to be careful. But Baker Mayfield, and I guess you could ask, is he real? Is he fake? But it's not about his success on the season to me that, that you're answering when you're answering that question. I think it's a future projection question when it's with talking about Baker Mayfield. We talk about, to put into context for people who haven't heard my Baker Mayfield rants, um, is they are a Super Bowl roster. Yes. Like, if the Browns, looking at their roster, if somebody told me the Browns, I foresaw something and I saw the Browns win the Super Bowl. If Madden did a simulation and told me that the Browns won the Super Bowl, I would not be all shocked. But part of me, I don't buy all in on the Browns, and it's because of this one individual. And I'm especially when I'm talking about the future. So for me, Jeff, I I think whatever if you feel highly on Baker and he deserves a five year contract or longer, I think then that somebody's thought process on that at, at what the market demands. Now, if he takes a pay cut, and I'm talking about it would be a nifty pay that I'm about. Like, you're talking about I'm measuring him at forty million dollars a year minimum. Because that's what the most recent guy to get paid got. I'm measuring him at that. You, everybody's like, I'll take him at 30. $10 million a year, first off, says a lot about how you feel about Baker Mayfield. If you are a Browns fan or anybody who loves Baker, and like, well, if they sign him at $30 million, I'm okay with that. That goes. It tells me everything you need to know without saying anything about how you feel about Baker Mayfield. $10 million a year is a huge pay cut. That is a huge, significant pay cut when you're talking about, especially at the lead 
position of quarterback. I buy the Brown pay. Yes, they're in such a tricky spot because they're a playoff team. And how do you, you know, they're a Super Bowl contending team. How do you, or they're right on the outside looking in, and they could be three and three after this week. How do you move on for Baker Mayfield when he's changed the culture? No, he hasn't. I would say so many other people have just as much to do with it with him. It's a, it's a Stefanski. The ultimate success came when they found the right coach at the end of the day. They're for, they found the right coach with the right formula to win games, which is run the ball, play defense, and allow Baker Mayfield to be a middle of the pack game manager. That's the success for the Cleveland Browns. Any shootouts, they lose for the most part. High-scoring games, they're not winning. You saw it in Charles' game, unable to do enough, played fine. I'm not blaming the loss on him, but he showed that like he can't do enough in a high-scoring game. So, Jeff, do you buy Baker Mayfield in that he deserves a contract? And I'm talking about at market value because I'm measuring him at guys who have got paid. I'm measuring him at Justin Herbert, who people think he's a future – you know, top ten or top oh, five quarterback. If he's not already, that's not fair. I'm in top five, like for the future. But measuring I'm measuring him. Like, I'm measuring him against people. The his future. I know. Dak I Prescott, know. Josh you Allen, Sam Darnold. Yeah, Mahomes. You, you he's not playing. Down the but then Lord Jack. That's getting good with the young guys. Not Brady. Not Rodgers. Not Big Ben, who's on his way out the league. Not guys who have been in. I'm not even putting him in Russell Wilson. Like he's Russell Wilson's not even this conversation. I'm talking about the guys like 27 and below, the future of the league. Baker Mayfield isn't even in the top 10. You know, they do the top 25, under 25. If you give me the top 10 quarterbacks under 28, Baker Mayfield's not in the top 10. And I solely believe that. So, Jeff, what do you think about this contract situation and Baker getting money, getting paid? Well, okay. So you set me up because me and Mo know each other really well. So, no. Um, he is, and I hate to say the term worth. And when I say worth, I want to clarify to everybody, the NFL has a salary cap. So every, whatever your that player gets is a percentage of that salary cap. So when I say worth, I'm not discussed. I, I don't want to talk about anybody's job. I want to talk about, you know, a human being, but I'm saying him at quarterback, you cannot put that much money on Baker Mayfield. And here's what I'll tell you. If you're going to give it to Josh Allen, you know why? Because Josh Allen can – we've already – okay, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, let's just go through it here. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, uh, Mahomes, Herbert. Um, I don't know how far we can go down the list. Watson. Murray. Murray. Yeah. Deshaun. Tannehill. Okay, like even so, Tannehill has made an AFC championship. He, here's what these guys have already done. They've proven that just them, just them as a QB being on the team can be the difference in a win or a loss. The problem I have with Baker Mayfield is if he, if you give him this money, um, we know that takes away from the rest of your team. That means you're giving up essentially what here's how I always correspond to this. That essentially means you're giving up a defensive back. That's usually how it goes. A defensive back or an offensive lineman, because those are the guys that really that really get sacrificed in these big quarterback contracts. And teams are just like, we have to make that decision. That's why. We could have a whole discussion about Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay of how like he gets no help, but I'm like, there's only so much you can do. But that they did mess up in the draft a couple times, whatever. But here's what about Baker Mayfield? His just his fourth quarter numbers are not good. I mean, I watch game. We watched that San Diego game. Okay, so 
immediately everybody says everybody knows they they get the ball back you know it's towards the end of the fourth quarter they run it three times and they punt san diego goes down so the thing is though what my question is everybody automatically goes that coach is an idiot but my thing is why did that coach do that so Uh are like as good as the browns have looked for a year and four games all of a sudden stefanski's an idiot like, why didn't he throw it? Why is he scared of an incompletion with the clock running, things like that? And this is just what – it's just what Baker's done all year. You guys can all research the stats and go look at the advanced stats and all that. There's just these – the Kansas City Chiefs game, that win is on the table. You know I mean? Mo, you and I watch all these games. If you kick the ball off and there's a minute left, every team goes and gets a a, a, a field goal. Like, it's just yeah. like a given. Yeah. Like if you kick off with, with the time left – I mean, think about it. San Diego or Cleveland purposely lets a makes a guy score a touchdown, you know, to get the to get the ball back. That's how these teams feel how easy it is to get it. And then of course it doesn't happen. Mayfield is a you know, he's a he's just a middle of the road quarterback. He's got huge deficiencies. I understand that, you know, he he does the part. He is he is the mentality of a starting quarterback and everybody loves him. All the Cleveland fans come at me with like, you know, he's given even, I I feel bad. I never talk about someone's family, but his wife came out and said, you know, basically essentially paraphrase, leave Baker alone. Like you guys have no idea how much he cares. I'm like, well, if that translated to wins, like I'm most third string quarterbacks on the team care more about winning the game than they just don't have the ability to do it. Um, I'm talking about ability. I'm talking about getting it done. He his arm, if you start evaluating him, especially against these young guys coming in that are freaks, like you can't even compare him to Herbert and and these guys that are that are just coming at fields, even. I mean, fields like when you watch the ball come out of his hand as a rookie, or some of some of the throws Zach Wilson makes. I think Baker thinks he's Zach Wilson sometimes. Like it's just not there. Can he run a team like you're saying? Yes. Can you pay a guy <laughs> top? five six in the league to just throw screen passes i think that is a huge mistake and then then you're strapped with this uh, let's put it what let me ask you a question would the minnesota vikings sign cousins to that same contract again no i don't think they would they would rather redraft right yeah i mean i mean it's even when you look at like the bringing kellen mond like that says Every like cousins is in our future, and like you paid them, we're like okay, we paid them over the three years, paid them a lot of money, but we'll, we'll you revisit the contract later. But like guys like that, you keep around until they show you they're done, not when you don't believe. Like you know, Brady stayed in New England until obviously all the turmoil, but Brady was going to stay in New England until Brady didn't want to be in New England no more. Rogers yeah. staying in Green Bay till Rogers don't want to be in Green Bay no more. Same for it's been shown now. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. Once you get that second contract and get paid and then start playing, once you start playing on that second contract and show like you can win some games, Russell Wilson, you belong to the city. You got the keys to the city and you leave on your terms. Whether you fall out with the front office, you just ready to move on to another opportunity, or you just got so old that you think you have it and could contribute somewhere, but the other team found the right position to grab a guy who fell right into their hands and they're looking to move on a la how Brett Favre ended up moving on from Green Bay uh, when they snagged Aaron Rodgers and even possibly how Aaron Rodgers may move on from Green Bay with snagging Jordan Love. That's essentially how 
these breakups happen. It that's be honest with you, the track record is that works better. Like you get more right. out of that one huge contract than you do getting stuck with these. I mean, you know, the truth is if you if you look at this team, like I know everybody's like, so right now in the AFC, which is not great, Cleveland Browns are three and two. Okay, well, they you know, it they beat, you know, they lost to the Chiefs, they beat the Texans, the Bears, and Minnesota. Yeah, and the AFC is absolutely horrible. And they've lost they've lost to the Chiefs and the Chargers. Like, and then you want to come at me and tell me like this is your guy? Like uh, why? That that's that's all I'm saying. Like it's it's not an anti-Cleveland thing, but I mean I believe in Cleveland. I think their roster, I've said it, you know, we said it pre-draft. If they hit right, it could be ridiculous what Cleveland. And they did with and they hit yeah, we we talked about their draft picks and how much we love their draft picks. We talked about the injured players who are coming back healthy. If you talk about another team who's, who's really at this point becoming, I guess, underrated as far as these past three to four years, part of the success is the front office has hit on draft picks. Yeah, they're, they have the all have, on rookie contracts. They have one of the best looking offensive lines in the league. I mean, what would, what would Aaron Rodgers or any of these, any of these, great quarterbacks do to play behind this offensive line like they get screen passes that go for 10 20 like they're amazing on the offensive yeah line. and like, you and you and you got a running back who you just had to pay uh but finally then you got your other running back who due to unfortunate circumstances and things that happen became a very unsought you know uh prospect mm-hmm. and so you were able to grab kareem hunt for cheap and then he loved it there loved his role there continues to play there I mean, you use them like a starting running back in a sense. You're able to trade for Odell Beckham. Yes, that you know, they've kind of failed. Uh, I think it's been a failed experiment with Odell and Cleveland, to oh, be honest. I, think, I don't understand why you – I still don't understand why. I know Odell was just like, just whatever I can do to get out of New York. And I don't – you know what? Here's looking at how the Giants have played. He's not wrong. Like, he saw the writing on the wall. He got out yeah. the only place he could get out. But then you're going to go to the least – that least the least pass friendly team in the league. It's, it's just not a good mix. I don't think like Odell is a, a volume guy. He's a, he's a, he's similar to like, sort of like a Randy Moss type, just keep running, just keep running the secondary ragged. And then you'll break through for, you know, four or five catches. You know, he's not mm-hmm. a vol. He's not one of these guys. that's like, I'm going to run. He's not Wes Welker. You know, I'm not going to run. 13 option routes a game and my stats are going to be sick with there's once again zero wrong with that so it's such a bad mix between baker and odell if anything they they should have went they need giant receivers and and they almost need it i think actually let's put it this way if you switch baker and lamar i think they're both better because I think Lamar could open up the offense more because of his talent. And I think Baker would love to have a, you know, basically an RPO offense to where he had these big tight ends open all the time. Cause he looks better when he's throwing to his tight ends, but it's just it, it, sometimes the guys, sometimes your ceiling is just not, you know, not that high. And then let me just touch on this real quick. When Baker tries to play the old, like nothing was given to me, I fought for everything. Come on. This guy was given a D1 scholarship. He, he, he quote, 
quote-unquote walked on at Oklahoma, immediately became the starter in the most quarterback – Maybe you know what, I'll say the second most quarterback-friendly offense in the country right now. I think Ohio State's is the most quarterback-friendly. Second most quarterback-friendly. gets Then he gets drafted number one. So what wasn't given to you, Baker? What did you have to fight for? <laughs> go, go tell Tom Brady nothing was given to you. That That's what I would say. Tell Tom Brady nothing – tell Dak Prescott that nothing was given yeah. to you coming out of Mississippi state uh, being an afterthought for the Dallas Cowboys. And now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, I don't want to hear this BS. You know what I mean? Like it, I know he, he looks the part because of how he looks and how he acts and the beard and the mannerisms like, no, no, no. Like I, I, I watch what you do on the field in the all 22 and you're just not as good as these guys. Right. And, and, and that's something that, you know, people got to understand it's not always hating. We we evaluate the quarterbacks. I would say, I would say, Jeff, you and me have a fairly good quarterback. I, I mean, outside of we we share the being wrong on somebody together with Justin Herbert. We both were completely wrong. We had the same. I had the same pretty much stance as you. Uh, I became unimpressed with him. I remember the game. It was the opening night when they played Auburn. That was the day I became unimpressed with both Justin Herbert and Bo Nix. One in the same. That was a hyped up matchup. Mine was two the Rose Bowl. quarterbacks. Mine was the Rose Bowl. I was like, I was like, he's a running back. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, that game, that ju- that game with My Justin bad. Herbert, that that turned me. Like, I was like, yeah, okay, I I'm not buying the hype. Uh, and it looks like Miami should have got, you know, should have tried to get Herbert uh, instead of to a bowl, whatever. You, you had to stick yeah, that you, one in there, didn't you? Not bad. You you live it. You live and you learn. I'm still not all the way out on Tua. I'm just he's he's been hurt, and that whole Miami offense yeah. has been hurt. They haven't played. They haven't gotten a chance with the weapons that he has to play all healthy. So I'm not. I'm not saying he, I don't think he'll ever be better than Herbert. Okay. So if that's but, a miss but, and, on and that, there you go. You just you just said the exact same thing that is happening to Mayfield. Nobody looks at Herbert and is like that. This guy should be a you know two hundred million dollar quarterback. But if if you built the Cleveland offense around him that they have now, Herbert would be like Herbert could step into Cleveland right now and be or not Herbert. I'm sorry. Tua, Tua Tagovailoa could step into Cleveland's offense right now and be fine. That's my whole point about like, and then everybody would everybody be like, oh no, Tua should get all the money. Like I, that, yeah, I think that's a good and comparison. especially those kind of weapons, especially with those kind of weapons, is what I buy into. Especially like Cleveland, I think you need a guy who really can stretch the field because when is when has Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham been, you know, uh. Slant, they have slant, you know, slant, slant boy, as people like to call like Michael Thomas. Whenever they ever just been short route kind of guys, right. Odell could beat you down the field. He was able to do it with uh, the Giants. Uh, Jarvis Lader was able to do it in Miami previously. Like they were high, like you said, high volume, over 100 reception, over 13, 14 yard guys. But to turn into short route and catch and yep. try and be make it in the in the open field, that's definitely not Jarvis Landry's game. Odell a little more because he's a little more elusive, but that's never really how he got loose. That's never been his recipe. So, what, what, before we we're, we're gonna move off of quarterbacks and just talk about this slightly, and it's the college okay. football playoff expansion. You and me, we both feel the same way about it, and the reason we feel the same way about it is because. We, we can go to this year as a prime example in the matchups that we've seen and the matchups that we're about to see. Goes to tell me there needs to be more than four teams. First off, we, yes. we saw Alabama get upset, so it's not Bama and Georgia and everybody else. It still could be Georgia and everybody else, but we will see they have a tough game against Kentucky this week. Boom, another game. Prime example, why there should be more than 12. 
or yeah. at least more than four teams because you can't tell me that let's say Kentucky loses this game and doesn't lose another game all season. You can't tell me that Kentucky doesn't deserve to be a playoff team. That's yep. just me coming out yep. there. He's playing the number one team. Your only losses to the number one team. You can't tell me, you're, but, but that's the one loss ruins your whole season. Uh, the yep. way Ohio State has turned it around. You can't tell me that they, by the end of the season, they wouldn't look like a playoff team. You can't tell me that Penn State losing the game to Iowa last week after Sean Clifford goes down does not deserve a spot in the playoffs because they lost to who is now considered the number two team. Then you got undefeated Oklahoma versus undefeated Oklahoma uh, State being played in two weeks. If Oklahoma is able to get past TCU, Oklahoma plays Oklahoma State next week. Uh, for, for so And they could both possibly be undefeated. And you're talking about a Big 12 show that that, that game is determining your playoff spot. If Oklahoma loses, then I think essentially at that point, I think the Big 12 is out because I'm not 100% sure an undefeated Oklahoma State gets in because of where they were ranked prior. So whether it's 6, 8, or 12, that's my personal opinion. If you're going to expand it, don't add two more teams because all you're going to justify to me is probably having the two teams that played in the SEC championship more than likely the two teams that played in the yeah. Big Ten championship You're or more exactly often than right. not, and then two other teams. The the yeah. the ACC champ, which more often than not, after other than this year, we'll say Clemson, and then either the Big 12 or Pac-12. So now you still leave one of the Power 5 teams out. Or if anything, like you're guaranteeing me with six, at least two SEC teams, and then we could get the rest yeah. of the Power 5 champions in there. That, but So I think it needs to be at least eight. I think some at-large need to happen, maybe a group of five in there, but I don't think they, they need to be required a spot in the playoff. I think they got to earn their way in, like a Cincinnati has to earn their way into a playoff. I don't think if they expand, well, a group, a group of five team will get in. I don't. Th- I think that's unfair because some of these other Power Five teams have played a lot tougher competition on a consistent yep. basis. So do you with, with the playoff expansion, I know you do think it, but what have been your thoughts with this season to that that would go to your point on why it should be expanded? Oh, I've said I've said this season has proved it uh, time and time again. After probably week two or three, I said it proved it because you have teams that you you said. Well, first thing, we got to get rid of these preseason rankings because they're screwing everything up. And here's what I said: instead of Clemson, what if we to put Wake Forest at in the top ten? They would still be in the top ten right now because they're undefeated. But instead, since we as preseason rankings decided to put them out of the top 25, they've got to work and claw and scratch, and they've got no room to give to get to the top. It's ridiculous. These pre- Kentucky, the same situation. If can if we say instead of Kentucky, say we put – I think Texas A&M was top four or five to begin the season. It's been a while, but they, yeah. were, they, were, they were contenders. What if we put Kentucky instead, another SEC team? Like right now we'd be like, oh, Kentucky's above Alabama. Just because – preseason rankings like i don't know why we got to keep fighting through that and that's why adding eight teams helps but what what i don't like and i keep you know have this conversation there's two different kinds and i'm going to get really really insulting to like a lot of people but I, i just can't help it there's two different kinds of college football fans there's college football fans who watch college football they may love a team or they may just watch a you know a lot of the games and really enjoy it and just love the game 
And then there's those who want to wake up on Sunday morning and watch the highlights and they want to look at the rankings and then they want to go, they want to look at the teams that they know and recognize and brand names and then be like, oh, so-and-so, I can't believe, like right now, like LSU is a great example. Like LSU two years ago is the best team that anybody ever saw. Now this year, everybody wakes up on Sunday morning, LSU loses and they're like, LSU sucks and this team, blah, blah, blah. Like, the narratives. So that's the problem I have. But if you actually watch the game and enjoy it, all that keeping it to four does, it doesn't, everybody, the argument's always, it makes the games more important or it makes them more fun or blah, 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 blah. Now that's, that's for the cable television markets. What it really does is just makes them more stressful because right now in college football, all we care about is the losses. There is no reason that you can have Cincinnati, you know, in the college football playoff based on the fact that they beat what is a just a decent Notre Dame team. Like if the qualifications are all you have to beat is one decent team out of the ACC, which is essentially what Notre Dame is, and then everybody, everybody, every other team on your schedule can be just way below average, you get to the college football playoffs. Why would why would Alabama? Why would anybody play in the SEC? Why would anybody play in the Big Ten? Why wouldn't Ohio State go to the freaking you know uh, go go out west? west. Yeah, you know what I mean, and play, and then just schedule. I don't know, just just schedule freaking Purdue and be like, ah, oh, we beat Purdue and then washed everybody. Why would you go through the fight? Like what everybody tells me, like, oh, it makes the games more important. Like, no, it doesn't. It makes your games more stressful. It makes the it makes the impact worse for these teams that do all of these things and think like just like Alabama. Yes, they took a loss. Everybody wanted me to throw Alabama out of my top 25. I'm like, well, I watched them play the first four games. I can't do that. They're a really, really good team. Uh, if Cincinnati plays Alabama tomorrow, Alabama wins. That's it. Plain and simple. I don't care. Vegas will agree with me. Everybody in the world will agree with me. But then the next conversation is, oh, I can't believe Cincinnati's not getting in. I'm like, why? Because they beat Notre Dame. Like, that's it. So so now we we have to watch this season and hope Notre Dame loses for a very qualified team like a Kentucky, Ohio State, and Oregon or whoever to jump Cincinnati. We have to watch a Notre Dame game and hope that they take a loss to Stanford at the end of the year. So a, a very good team that maybe had a bad Saturday can get in a college football playoff. Like, can you imagine a world where Alabama can't get in a college football playoff because Cincinnati beat Notre Dame and then slept walk through the rest of their schedule. Like, and then people are going to tell me that's the better way to do it. That's freaking insane. I've, there's no sport that's played like that. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm a total proponent for at least eight games because that allows, first of all, it allows you to enjoy a game. Like we could watch, like you like Ohio State. I love Ohio State. And we could watch them play Oregon. That game's over and go, man, Oregon played good. High State needs to get their stuff together and, and, and play down the road instead of the first thing you do when your team loses, Alabama's doing it right now. High state's already done it is okay. Who needs to lose? Who can we beat? Who does this team play that that's fun on Sunday morning. That's not fun on Saturday. Like yeah. I worry about what's fun on Saturday. I want to watch the games on Saturday. I don't, I don't want to talk about Sunday and Monday. I know that's great for, you know, the networks and the people reading the newspapers, but then I'll ask people like, Oh, did you really watch the game? Oh no, I didn't get a chance to watch, but you know, you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah, you, you just, there has to be more room for error in college football, at least adding four more teams 
makes it better. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, there may not ever be a fixture, uh, and I've been a proponent of making these bowl games matter more. Um, the ones that like the Rose Bowl, if it's not a playoff game, really nobody cares. Yeah, I just even the players don't care. I know you won't te- toot your own horn, but I just want to bring it up that you've always said that this that the way we do it now is basically made the every bowl game meaningless. So I just want to put that out there. So yeah, you don't and have it's to say I, it yourself. Yeah, but, I've stuck to that because it does because. Nobody, we, you would never see in, in Ohio State has a, but you would never see an Ohio State player sit out no Rose Bowl because it's not the national championship. That was what you played your season for. Like, ultimately, you played to be considered the BCS national champion, but the best team in the Big Ten and the best team in the Pac-10 at the time was played to to see each other in the Rose Bowl. It's almost guaranteed, like Ohio State versus USC, Ohio State versus Oregon, Michigan versus. Washington, whatever we get, the Big Twelve and the SEC. You knew, like, okay, maybe maybe LSU is the best team in the country this year, but Alabama versus Texas or Alabama versus Oklahoma, like that's what we're getting, and that meant the world. Now, like, ah, the Sugar Bowl isn't a playoff game. Ah, who cares? You know what? I'm yep. getting ready for the draft. I'm not making the trip. I'm not playing. I'm gonna go home come December 14th when the semester's over. I'm gonna go home and spend no time with my family, and I'm gonna prepare. From January on for the draft, I'm not going to waste my time taking these travels and dealing with these practices and meetings. That's what it's turned into. So that's that's another thing that I hate about it and I think could improve is at least a couple more bowl games matter at the very least. If you give me, you know, the four mega bowls and their, their playoff games and you take them and you're like, okay, we'll take the orange bowl, the rose bowl, the sugar bowl, the peach bowl, the cotton bowl, and those will be all the playoff sites. The first four will be this, then the two semifinals will be here, and then the the you know the the championship will be elsewhere. But you'll make all those bowl games matter. Those venues will get all the money they, they can get because it'll be big time. The, well, you put the playoffs in those, and those are big time. Yeah, a lot of them are still getting their money, but it sucks because as a fan, you got to think about college is the only place that doesn't think about the fan. I really don't think – they don't think about the fans. They think about how to maximize their money for their yep. institutions because they – they don't understand how bummed out and how much fans hate that they bought tickets for the bowl game. The Outback Bowl is, oh, my God, it's Tennessee versus Michigan or Tennessee versus nothing. Michigan State, and Kenneth Walker doesn't play. You remember like that? Kenneth bowl- Walker's sitting out the Outback Bowl. And people weren't sitting out those bowl games. But Think now, about, when Leonard Fournette sat. What was the crazy um, – what was the bowl game last year, the Florida-Oklahoma Florida, Florida? bowl game? Should have been a classic – there is no way that if you're an Oklahoma fan that you're hanging your hat on that win over Florida. Or if but there's no way fan, you're a Florida fan, you're happy about you buying tickets to you, that exactly. game, though. Exactly. No so, Kyle Trash, no Kyle Pitts, no Kadarius Tony. Like, all my draft eligible guys didn't play. And, yeah. like, I'm here. I, I spent this money. I bought this plane ticket. I traveled. I came from Florida to go watch this game. And, like, you're not playing. You can't blame the players, but you can no, blame the NCAA. No. Press these doesn't matter these guys. They're going to the NFL. They first and second round and third round draft picks. The reason that you watch your team on a weekly basis is because of these guys, these top-notch guys that are day one or day two guys in the draft or future day one and day two, and they decide not to play. You're upset. And here's what I and here's what I t- hate too, Mo. This has taken effect before that because as soon as a team loses, they're like, okay, they're out. Like, that's early in the season. But now it's two losses. So let's talk about a Texas A&M who – I know they haven't looked great. You've pointed that out. But if I'm Texas A&M, I'm saying, wait a minute. We just beat this team that everybody said was head and shoulders 
above everybody in college football. But because Texas A&M has two losses, they have damn near zero chance to make any difference in college football this year, except for an upset of Alabama. And, you know, they, they did what they had to do. They beat the, the best team, but they get no credit. Alabama, right. we, we talk about the loss. We do not give Texas A&M any credit for the win. We're like, great upset. That's We call it an upset. Then we don't have to worry about it. And and that happens with, yeah. I don't care if it's Ohio State, when a team, you know, Ohio State's been upset several times, like, you know, over the years, these weird upsets. They, that team doesn't get springboarded into anything. They're just like, that's eh, a fluke. It's an upset. So what about that team that's like, man, maybe we figured things out. And that's, you know, that's where the NFL has the leg up in football to where you can figure things out and you can recover. I know, I know the drama. I think sometimes a lot of this is driven by, like I I keep saying the cable networks, like they drive the drama of college football. But what I hate is when I see a really good game, like Florida's got two losses. So their games Mm -hmm. don't, their game versus Georgia is huge. If they had one loss, it would be broadcast as like, you know, one of the biggest games of the week. It'll still be a big game, but I'm saying like George or Florida's a really good team. And if things go right, they beat Alabama and they're in national title contention right now going into a Georgia game in a couple of weeks. So it it, it has right. an effect, just the, the same effect you're talking about is having an effect through the season. And I said this, this is this was my revelation on this i don't think that having a 14 playoff makes teams makes more games relevant i think it actually makes a lot of games completely irrelevant to casual fans yeah exactly yeah 100 especially because like now like if you're penn state of course the students love that love the team and stuff but like how like what are you hanging your hat on at this point like, especially if Penn State goes and loses to Ohio State, like, their season is over. This point, yeah. like, yeah, we might go play in Outback Bowl. Who cares? Like, you know what I'm saying? Or if Ohio State loses, like, your season's over. What are we playing for? Like, we watch yeah. the rest of the games and, like, uh, I'm watching them because of my love for my team, but I really yep. don't care. Yep. So, to move on, before you guys go and leave this show and turn on to Cruise Island, we got some really breaking news. We waited for it for the end of the show to be able to talk about this and leeway you into Cruise Island and his hot topic. Night starting 19 minutes exact. There's a quarterback controversy in Oklahoma, but apparently we we had got some inside news from some from some sources. And it, all I'm gonna say is, like I said in the beginning of the show, us being able to have this information prior to you getting a notification on your ESPN on your on your Bleacher Report, and it just goes to show how us and what we do as a network has come because everybody at the network has had access to this information. So it just goes to show how much and how far we have come to really be able to have some information prior. But the the word around and how true it is, how much I, I, I know, I can't say, but I can tell you what I do know. The word around town right now is that Spencer Rattler is no longer with Oklahoma, plans to put his name in the transfer portals in the coming days, and is no longer on the student directory at the University of Oklahoma, which therefore means they are, he will not be the starting quarterback. Uh, it will be Caleb Williams from here on out. So it's really not as much of a controversy. We saw in the game, and I think any smart person who knows college football knows that when your quarterback gets benched in probably in your team's biggest rivalry on the on a yearly basis, you get benched in the Red River shootout rivalry, however you want to call it. <laughs> you, you get benched in that game. Like there's probably no coming back from that, at least not this season. 
And for you to get bit, and they've already booed you once. They've already chanted for they wanted Caleb uh, multiple times throughout the season. You've already played underwhelming. You haven't impressed the scouts. You haven't impressed the world who had very high hopes on you. You haven't helped to your Heisman odds. Everything pointed to Spencer Rattler's done in Oklahoma, and we would think that he would prepare for the draft, even though we know his draft stock has dropped. But, Jeff, we are hearing that he plans on entering the transfer portal. How big is that? Because I feel like this is, I don't even know if I can explain how big this news is. And once it breaks and we really get the full details, we'll know. But if Spencer Rattler, who was a projected, possibly the number one pick, the the first quarterback taken out of him or Sam Howell, it was kind of a two-headed race, kind of the same way, not in the same light, but in the same way that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields essentially were playing last year. You know, uh, it was a two-headed race to see who gets the top pick, but after the season, a lot of things unfolded that that went out the window. But it was Rattler and it was Howell. Those were the Heisman favorites. Those were the guys that we expected to be one and two in the draft. I mean, if you were looking for a quarterback, you were excited because you got Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. If you're a team like Washington football team who missed out on the quarterback last year, you're like, man, if I could, if I could get up there, because there's some also some other excellent players. So you might have been okay that a bad team had their future quarterback, but you're like, if I can get up there, I might pay the price next year because you got Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler is expected to be hitting the transfer portal which means he will not be a quarterback in the draft and he will be at somebody else's university next year. Jeff, how big is that? It's huge as far as a story. As far as the guy, like I'm not shocked. Um, I never thought he was the number one pick in the draft. You can go right. back and listen to me and Stuart Brooking on it. And I only say that to like, I just want people to know where I stood on him coming into it. Um, you know, seasons not went right. And, you know, I told you earlier, Mo, when your backup quarterback looks that much better than you in college football, and then you try to tell me you're the number one pick in the NFL draft, like, okay, so that means that there's either you have the two greatest quarterbacks in history on one team or one of you's got a flaw. Uh, the biggest implications is not, we're, we're at this, this point in college football, you know, lifespan – to where these quarterbacks are like, I gotta, I'm gonna try and jump over here. I'm gonna try and pad my stats, you know, and and get back to where I thought I was gonna be. So there's two things about this that fascinate me. A, I've always said if a player is projected this high in the draft, you just should not play. And I know that I know it's crazy. Spencer Rattler would never have not have played the season. I understand what you're saying, but in this case, I'm right. If he doesn't play the season and all he does is work out, he's going to look fantastic in the workouts. You know, he's he's got the personality. He's going to say all the the stuff. He's really going to win the locker room and he's probably going to go top 15 pick in the NFL draft if he never takes a snap this season at Oklahoma. Instead he plays, he gets exposed, you know, for for what he is. He's he's not quite there. He obviously if you can't Here's my worry about it. If you can't play quarterback in this system, there's huge, huge red flags. And that's a different conversation. And then you got the whole NIL stuff. So this guy was, you know, making all this money as, you know, his last year at Oklahoma and all this. There's so many facets to it. And then you have a team that is very likely going to go to the college football playoffs. And this happened to in the middle of the season, which this before – what the last two years, this would never happen in the middle of a college football season. So it's just, it's honestly one of the biggest stories in college football history. I don't think it's going to end well for Spencer Rattler. 
I just because of talent, it's nothing against him. You know, he may go on to to do whatever else he wanted to do in life and be very successful at it. As an NFL quarterback, I never saw it. I still don't see it. I don't see you're in the most quarterback friendly offense by I mean, look at the NFL. Like my, two my. starting quarterbacks in the NFL are succeeding out of that offense. Um it so I, I just don't know. There's so many facets to it when you when you factor in, and then you have to factor in a team. But what my here's my guess. I want to be the first, not the first one. I just want to say this before the weekend starts. I think Oklahoma will look awesome without him. I don't. I don't love his person. He's the first quarterback that I heard come from the Elite Eleven when they asked Trent Dilfer about him. Trent Dilfer couldn't say good stuff. And Trent Dilfer fluffs up all these elite 11 quarterbacks because he, you know, he's got a stake in it. Rattler is the first guy that I ever heard Dilfer say, I don't know. And that mean that's a huge, like, oh my God, this guy must have been hard to deal with. I mean, all I can say is it's a Tate Martell situation. Um, you know, we saw him go through this and we saw how it's gonna go. Uh, it's it's crazy. And I didn't I didn't know anything about it until Off the Ball Network, you know, you guys told me tonight, but um it's it's not a great situation for Rattler. Might want might want to get that degree, bro. <laughs> might want to get that degree. Yeah, and and it's one of those. It becomes. This is why I say it's huge because we saw on the opposite end of the spectrum as far as we saw a quarterback who was projected fifth, sixth round. Some would even say undrafted. Plays outstanding one year becomes the number one pick. Joe Burrow. Like we see what what he him improving oh, his point. draft great stock point. in one year. Like and it's Russell it's not Russell. about the yeah it, it is not about the sitting out. It's just about what one year could do. We haven't really seen quarterbacks knock their draft stock like this. No, like we're talking about Justin Fields got killed or what? We couldn't believe that people didn't think he was the second best quarterback, but nobody thought he shouldn't be in the first round. Like we, nobody was saying that. Like that wasn't a possibility. That wasn't on the table. So it's to see that like we're seeing a guy who has turned out to not even be a quarterback. If any organization is looking for a few quarterback, because I mean, unless unless you're like the Detroit Lions, who I think would be perfect to actually find a future quarterback if they want to go Sam Howell because they can hold on to Jared Goff for a couple of years. So neither of these guys, like if you find Sam Howell to be really talented and, and can be some in the future and you hold his potential, I think it'll fit perfect in Detroit because right, you can man. hold on to Jared Goff. Can you I hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. But I would I say you glitch. can hold. Oh, okay. Because you can hold on to Jared Goff, I think, if you're Detroit for a year or two and let the guy simmer, sit behind. and But obviously, it doesn't even work out like that in the NFL, yeah. one. Because Let's the minute you bring honest. Sam Howell to Detroit, Jer the, the, the clock is on Jared Goff. One bad game, boom, Sam Howell time in Detroit. That You know, the Bears couldn't even stick with being with Andy Dalton. And, and then it, Andy and Dalton it, gets hurt, and they couldn't even move on to Nick Foles it, because everybody was like, just feels, just feels. And if you look at all the here, – here's the problem with the NFL. Like, we won't have – we won't do this whole – we got plenty of seasons yeah. to talk about this. But essentially, they need to get past the have-to-draft quarterbacks. Like, they're, like, this is the perfect year to where maybe the first quarterback drafted is – 20th like there's nothing wrong with that once the nfl realizes that that there aren't you know our, our friend Stuart brooking always calls it the 1983 problem is that teams every year think that you have to have four starting quarterbacks in the first round like sometimes you may not they just need to get they just need to get past that i mean 
the I, I think I think Willis, you know, looks like a starting quarterback this year. But am I am I trading draft picks for him? No. Rattler, let's Rattler's not an NFL quarterback, dude. We all like it's just not. Like we're I don't like we don't even have to fight this subject. I've seen like I've seen a lot of quarterbacks over the years. Rattler's just not a starting NFL quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that. Neither am I. All right. Yeah. So full disclosure, neither am I. Um, you know, this isn't a this isn't a bad situation. This isn't a not given enough chances. This is just you're just not an NFL quarterback. It's it's no big deal, man. Like have fun where you're at and um whatever. And another thing we can talk about with this, you transfer in the middle of the season real quick. We talk about the NIL. So now you can have an agent, like you can actually have a paid agent and all these advisors now in college football. So I'm sure there's plenty of guys in Rattler's ear like dude if it, you're you're about to get benched and have to sit on the have to sit on the sidelines for the rest of the season this is going to look worse this is the worst situation you can be in you got to go like that's where quarter like quarterbacks have players have never had that before legally yeah yeah and then and like you said i mean that's the nil and and the brands that are sponsoring him that, that this is the first time and this is why i say it's huge because not only are we seeing like a, f- a number one draft pick projected coming into the season, the Heisman winner transfer or hit the portal. We expect him to hit the portal in the middle of the season, but like he got benched. Like we're not talking about <laughs> a guy who we're not talking about Joe Burrow, you know, his last year at LSU. Like if he didn't become, have the greatest season ever, like by a quarterback, we wouldn't have cared. Like it wouldn't right. matter. Uh, okay. He was a fifth or sixth round pick. Anyway, he got benched. You know what? Like you said, go yep. get your trucking business, get your degree. You know, so welcome to the real world. You know, sucks. You had a great football career. I'm just saying, like, you know, welcome to the real world. Get your degree. You got to figure life out like everybody else. Uh, But but you had a great run, great career. You know, a lot of things to talk about. Tell your kids, your grandkids. But then you you don't see this with a guy who's supposed to win the Heisman. Never. Like he's your Heisman favorite. You know, people placed a lot of money. On Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman. And not only do you become disappointed by the week, but. You're like, he can't even turn it around because he got benched and he's probably gone. So, like, now any bet like that, those bet Vegas ate those bets up. Like, it's yeah. just, and there's so many factors of betting plays. Just imagine, Jeff, and we don't have to go here. I just want to get your, just imagine if college football had fantasy. Just imagine if there was fantasy college football where people had people who don't care about Oklahoma, people don't care about the Big 12, but they care about winning their fantasy football and yeah. knew that Spencer Rattler would give the, would be the high the high hopes. Like cuz cuz you would see it. If oh, I don't oh. know nothing, but now you start being enlightened on oh, he'd get all types of hate mail and everything a, that he already gets. Fraud. Yeah. Um, oh, it'd be horrible and then then you couldn't get Caleb Williams like there's just something to think about is like cuz that's what's done to the NFL. Imagine if fantasy football was in college so many more people would even then were even once this news breaks is gonna people would yeah. about that it's it rather a bench yeah and shout out too to Lincoln Raleigh for handling this like a coach like not like we we talked about this with you know um you know the Ezekiel Elliott situation like not worrying about that yeah. stuff and being like go with the right guy shout out to Caleb Williams for being he's phenomenal and I think Oklahoma is a better team going forward i think they're a very good team going forward yeah and i definitely think they made the right decision so that closes us out for tonight jeff before we go tell everybody all your future projects social media you know the thing 
Hey, hey, I'm on Twitter at jhunt006. You know, catch me at Off the Ball Network. I do once again college rankings every week, NFL power rankings every week, and I promise you, I think them out and I, I take everybody's opinions into consideration. And go find me at Jeff Needs Sports Podcast uh, anywhere you uh, listen to podcasts. Uh, and then my lovely face is always on, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter or whatever. I'm not hard to get to it. I appreciate all the fans and I love being on up in flames. Um, this is, this is just one of the best shows out there. I, can, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, of course. And you know, I love having you as a guest, especially this time of the season. Like oh, so man. much football to talk. So many, yeah. So many quarterbacks to get like foot middle of football season is just amazing. And then basketball is starting. So for me, you know, you can find me on Upper Flames Pod on Twitter, Instagram. I actually have my basketball preview show tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll have Steven and Kenneth on, host and co-host of Breaking the Game. Kenneth, obviously the host of also of the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast. And I'll have Cole making his Up in Flames debut from nothing but airtime. He'll be making his debut on the Up in Flames show, which I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, one of the newest additions on the network. So that's going to be a great show, NBA preview. It's not going to be your average preview. We're not talking about team projections and records. And we're more talking about we're bringing the excitement with players and teams and who's going to do biggest overachievers, biggest underachievers, kind of projections like that. Instead of just breaking down every team, giving me the record, giving me the playoff, especially because I didn't want to wear down my guys because Kenneth has done it, you know, Steven and Kenneth are doing it for breaking the game. So I wanted to bring a different way so they're not having to say the same thing over and over on their show. And you'll be able to catch all of us. We all want to bore the listeners because you catch all of us on Dash Radio starting at 10 a.m. every Monday, uh, back to back to back to back, you know, so for four hours and then you catch the Hoopers uh, Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So I definitely want to plug all that in. But everybody tune in to my basketball preview show tomorrow. Definitely going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great minds. And on that note, Up in Flames is out.